Hello, and welcome to this special series of episodes called 29 Days of Magic. During Black History Month, the month of February, I'll be interviewing a Black woman a day who's from business and entrepreneurship. You name it, I'm going to have a chat with her. The idea for this is to show off the amazingness of Black women throughout various industries. I hope you take a listen, like, share, review, and be inspired by these incredible stories. Take a listen. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Yo, CEO of the Culture Communications Agency, The Clash. Each week, I bring on a different business leader who's doing some game-changing work. And this is all part of my 29 Days of Magic series, where every single day, the month of February, I'm interviewing another phenomenal Black woman. And so today, I'm so excited to have Montcherie Holmes-Jones, who's the founder of Mojo Marketing and PR, to talk about working in the South and marketing, as well as being in the big big states like Detroit. It's going to be a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Montcherie. Hey, Laura, how are you? You know, causing trouble, freezing in New York. I love it. I love <laughs> like, it. It's cold here. It's so, so cold. Look, it's You're not too, too cold to cause trouble. We love that. This is, this is true. You are not wrong. <laughs> um, so even though I'm freezing in New York, um, the podcast does not change. And the first question is always the same. So, Marjorie, what was your first job? My first job, I begged for to work at the neighborhood state, well, not neighborhood, neighborhood wave pool. Uh, our state park was in our backyard. I grew up in uh, Bayou Country of New Orleans, Louisiana. And people always are like, Bayou Country? I was like, yes, there is actually a Bayou area of New Orleans. And, and it's not out in the country. And I begged my mom to work there. I was like 14 or 15. And it was a summer job. And I remember applying, having to drive me all the way over. And the guy called, and I don't know why he did this, but he called to tell me that I didn't get the job. Like, who does that to a 14 year old? Like, just, just don't call me. <laughs> like, who does that? So I'm literally in tears. But then I guess he called the next person that he actually wanted to hire. And that person turned the job down. Well, he called me back literally after I finished tearing up for about 10 minutes. My dad and mom looking at me crazy, like, who cares? Why do you want a job? Right. And <laughs> And he tells me I got it and it just changed, changed the course. My brother ended up, my brother's in military. Uh, he ended up getting a job there. My cousin ended up getting a job there. I mean, I had the whole family there after four summers, but specifically I'm always happy about that job because my brother learned, became one of their first black lifeguards. Um, they had never had a black lifeguard at that state park ever. He trained, he like went to learn, trained with some of the best, uh, learned, got all the licenses for lifeguard training. And now he's in the military doing all kind of craziness, <laughs> jumping out of planes, swimming all craziness uh, for his country. So I'm always excited about that uh, job because I feel like it brought in that new influence for a little black boy uh, like my brother. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's black women always looking out for everybody else. Looking out for the whole family. <laughs> I had the whole family. We were working in a concession stand. We were working <laughs> at the way full it was we were everywhere so over four years we really put the work in and i love it fantastic damn <laughs> um you know it's funny is like i said I, the reason i always ask this question is because i'm always fascinated how the jobs that people pick and it's always fascinating because folks will it's like they kind of pluck a memory and it's a memory that kind of correlates to where they are now, whether they learn something from that moment that helps them with what they do today, 
like a good or a bad, like I'm never going to do that again to, oh yeah, I learned this one thing about working with people and understanding folks that like comes in really handy uh, in my everyday job today. So it's just, it's always a fascinating look back. And so I see that there's probably some similarities and some lessons mm-hmm. learned that kind of came to where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So uh, how do we go from the way pool all <laughs> the way till now? What's that journey been like? Oh man, that journey has been fun. I, it, the journey was really guided by a great mother um, who listened to every ass and imagination that I would make up as I laid in my bed in my room and then come out while we're driving somewhere and say, I want to be a news reporter. Okay. And then a week later, my mom's saying, okay, you're going to go do an internship at the channel four and be a gopher because she's picked up the phone and cold called them. She is the cold cold call master master to this day. God rest her soul. Um, If literally my husband would say, oh, they can't do that. I said, my mama used to call and get anything done from random people over the phone. So I know we can do it. And so I got an internship over the summer. I think I was 15 or 16, freshman year of high school, uh, Channel 4, number one station in WWL in New Orleans, Louisiana. And for two or three weeks, I literally was grabbing faxes off of the facts with stories and running it to the desk. And that was my job. <laughs> and I got to learn about the news station as a go for running areas for the anchors. And I knew I wanted to be a news anchor. But after I got into college and went to Xavier University of Louisiana, and from there, I was like, oh, wait, PR? That's something? I love telling, I love amplifying everybody else. I love creatives. I love things being created and all my friends were running the tv anchor route and I kind of scurried away from it you know in college and said I would love to do it however I like it too uh and also I felt like it was uh it was vanity at the time uh, mm-hmm. people were doing it for vanity and not for I didn't have a passion at you know I, I think the passion was around what I thought it was and it's still a great opportunity I may even do it in business one day but it just wasn't there anymore. And PR took over. Amplifying other people's passions were the thing. I got an internship every semester of college. And that made me stand out, not because I had A's and B's, but because I was like on the grind. I had all the experience. So senior year, I got hired as the first Black of an ad agency in New Orleans. Um, ad agency had six flags. It had museums. It never had an African-American uh, hire ever. And I got an internship wow. and asked him for a job uh, after the internship was over. He made me wait about three weeks until he started getting calls from other agencies asking to hire me. And I was still a senior. I wasn't even grad. I hadn't even graduated yet. And so turned that little $25,000 job into working for GM in Detroit, J. Walter Thompson. And then I kind of kept the J. Walter Thompson moniker as I traveled the world uh, from LA to Jacksonville, Florida to Atlanta. And then the dream of entrepreneurship started, you know, when I went in-house at Caesars Entertainment. So it has, uh, you know, mom's ambitiousness, ambition uh, for my passions, turned my my work into passions for others. And so I always got to give credit to the fam because I've been blessed. Wow. So, so just a little trailblazer there, our first ever. <laughs> just glossed, yeah. Let me just gloss over that. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm imagining being the first ever in anything was not easy. What oh, was that like? <laughs> oh no, it was. It was very. Um, I think being naive helped me, but being on and helped me both ways. It helped me to overlook 
but it also helped me to pay more attention uh, to certain things. And that gave me clarity to what, what I wanted to be. I mean, without seeing his entrepreneurship helped me to see the possibilities of my entrepreneurship. Um, to this day, uh, I don't think he was pro African American at all. I think it was about, it was competition that made him hire me. Uh, I remember pitching him one day, asking for 15 minutes of his time to pitch him for a job. I wanted to work there. I wanted to be a part of it. And he actually partnered with another agency. It was a J. Walter Thompson extension that hired me together and I became their media coordinator. And, but when I offered him the job, when I pitched him the position, he said, give me 10 days to think about it. I said, okay, 10 days came and went. I was already applying at other places. One of his competitors who is very large now sent the message saying, hey, we heard you guys got this person. We want to hire her too. And he didn't want him to hire me. So he literally offered me $25,000, but I was already making that money working as a 911 operator. <laughs> so I was like, uh, what? I'm, I'm graduating from college. What do you mean? And so and I said, well, can I have two days to think about it? And he said, no. And him and his accountant sat in front of me. And I said, and I sat there and thought about it for 15 minutes, about 15 minutes in front of his face. I literally did not, I did not stop. And I remember his accountant being so hot with me. She went around the office telling everybody, do you know she made him wait? Do you know she did? Like, I was just supposed to be grateful. And mm -hmm. she was just, she was just be happy to be here. Oh yeah, I should be happy to be getting this offer. And she was living. Um, and they were giving me benefits and all that stuff. But I needed to analyze it because I was already making that money. And what, and and I, within 15 minutes, I made the best decision because that partnership with J. Walter Thompson scaled me out of the New Orleans realm. At the time, New Orleans only had five agencies and I had interned at three and was about to get a job at another. Um, and the, you know, culturally, we had a few African-American ones, but they were not on that scale where they were connected to bigger agencies and bigger accounts. And so I made the right decision. Um, there was some issues. Uh, I mean, I've even heard the word, I've heard the bad word come out of his mouth. Um, so that atmosphere was not so toxic as much as it was, okay, I'm gonna learn from afar, but I'm not gonna forget what you did. Now it wasn't towards me, but it was something I heard him say. Um, and you shut up and you don't, you don't respond at 23 years old, you know, at, you, you just kind of, you, you don't, you don't know the, oh, that's not right. You know, it's not right, but you don't know to take action. Or if you know to take action, you don't know how to take action. Um, to make sure that you don't burn yourself, right? Well, anyway, I rode that bus for two years and started applying to the big agencies. And I had this J. Walter Thompson, you know, logo on me. So I could definitely go somewhere. And GM called and offered me when they had GM Plan Works an opportunity. And it was moving to Detroit. I never moved anywhere outside of Louisiana. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going. I drove up there and it was all she wrote from there. Worked on Bosch, Domino's after after GM, went back to J. Walter Thompson, Bosch, Domino's, White Castle. Um, GM, of course, I ran some co-op uh, media planning accounts, and but it was the night owl. I was doing everything from Detroit to Denver to Denver to Sacramento as the worst flight known to man to a 23-year-old, 25-year-old <laughs> kid who never, who didn't even, like, you have to, we have to be taught how to do business travel. 
Like, I mean, no one taught you that. Oh, you're just going to be flying this place. It sounds cool. But if you've not been taught business travel and you've really been a Southern bale your whole life mm -hmm. and you've only traveled for vacations and many a times that wasn't on planes, business travel is not regular travel. You actually don't get all the breaks that you get on vacation. And so just prepping and making sure and talking, you know, being ready and coherent. And after you've done a red eye, it's just unrealistic. <laughs> um, and so I was like, I don't want to do this job. This is this is not the advertising I thought. And so was blessed to get not back. Not as glamorous. Not as glamorous. <laughs> This is not the life, honey. But I will tell you, they, they stroke my ego because, and I always tell this joke, when I got off the plane to Detroit for the interview, I created this crazy portfolio that everybody loves, Mon Cherie, that had all of my work in it, kind of like every lo everybody loves Raymond, that type of you know show model moniker. And I had all these portfolios, I'm carrying like seven of them, and they're big binders. And this guy has a sign that has my name on it. And this is how country I was. I don't know if it's country or just naive. And I was like, I don't think they, I said, mom, I think I called my mom from a pay phone. I said, mom, I think they think I'm foreign and, and that I'm some rich foreign lady or something. Cause they have a, a limousine out here with my name on it. <laughs> oh no. It was bad. And she was oh, like, boy. just go get in it. And if that's the case, you know, if it's a mistake they'll just send you back. <laughs> And so I was all nervous. So they take me to a hotel. They had a limousine pick me up from the hotel. And honey, I remember God blessed me with three African-American men were my driver. The driver that night got me safely to, because it was pitch dark, to my hotel. And I was nervous. I was scared because I was like, I have to walk far. He was like, I'll, I'll help you. And, and I was like, okay, good. The next morning, I had another gentleman who ended up being a pastor. And I'm studying everything I need to study about advertising in the backseat of this car. I, I didn't print all these articles. I'm reading because I just want to be able to answer everything. And he, he was like, so what, what do you do? And I said, I'm just interviewing for a job. And I remember he stopped. He said, well, let me just pray for you because you got the job. And he prayed for me. And wow. it calmed, oh, yeah, calm my soul. And I put all my little papers back together and got the job that day. I mean, they literally I couldn't even get back to the hotel before they called me. And I mean, then this was more, way more money than I made ever in my life. And, <laughs> you know, these people picking me up in limousines and all this. And I remember the guy who brought me to the airport went to go back home was also a pastor. And I was like, you know what, Detroit, I think I didn't fell in love with you. Um, and I haven't even got here yet. And so it, it was definitely uh, my adult years were growing up. I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, which was really good um because it was when everything was still great we didn't have Motown but you still got the love and the culture of the city it was Kwame years if that makes sense um in the city and so yeah I definitely have kind of transferred over but that first job definitely helped me to see that I could do the same thing he did and probably even better awesome so so good <laughs> So um, what prompted you to be like, you know what, time to make my own agency? Yes, um, you know, the, working at Seeds, I went in-house after Katrina, went back home to help mom. My husband's mom also lived in the same neighborhood. So everybody's rebuilding. And I worked at an agency that got, I got to connect through my Detroit Connects and got, went back to a new, a new agency who had the tourism account. And we also had a lot of casinos and we were helping all these casinos reopen through PR, branding and media, media buying. And I was like, I can do all of those, <laughs> you know? So we went from open up all these casinos and I'm from Amelia Bell to doing the casino, the Island View with 
um, Emerald Lagasse was one of the owners. It was, you know, just fun events and it was the life. And ended up getting at, you know, an offer to go in, in house at Season Entertainment and it was perfect. I was advertising specialist, what they call it, but basically managed seven people. And I took that agency life I had learned and brought it in house and best job I ever had. I, to be honest with you, if the recession wouldn't have hit, I wouldn't have probably enough. I could have retired. I would. I was looking for <laughs> VP status, <laughs> president status, but I also always had that itch because I remembered my first job in the agency world, wanting to own my own thing, the daydreaming of all of that. And so the recession hit. One thing about me, I'm always reading business magazines and articles for purposes of understanding what's to come. And so that we, my type of marketing is for the future, never for the right now. And so, you know, I always like to educate my clients around that. And so one of the things that, you know, I noticed, I was like, the CEO of this company, we're going through recession. People say casinos are recession proof, but the CEO of Season Entertainment out of Vegas is here every week now. I'm like, I wonder why he's spending a lot of time here. And I told it to my staff and my coworkers and they were like, girl, you always saying they're going to lay us off. And I was like, I'm just saying, they may not lay us off, but they're going to definitely cut the skin. We're the, we're, we're doing well and every other property's not. I need to think smart. Well, I was right. They ended up pinning us all against our bosses. So anybody who was, uh, we were too top heavy, which we were uh, as a company. And so all of the directors had to go against the assistant directors. And we literally had to interview to a, a group against your boss like it was it was like a setup game like just 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 eliminate the assistant directors because uh unless the bosses have just pissed off everybody eliminate eliminate that and my boss and i actually started a, a week apart so i jumped i jumped ship without even having her have to go through all of that or myself so i, I literally called picked up the phone through my community connections and said hey i looking for an opportunity and got a job within a week um, so we wouldn't have, we had saw the tragic stories of all these other departments going against each other and the anger and the frustration. And I was like, oh, that ain't even me. So I ended up going nonprofit for a year and took that year and a half to really build up my agency and what I wanted to do. And I just gave notice after that and literally quit on January 1st. <laughs> and didn't give notice and was like, I can't do anything that's not what is in my soul anymore and launched my agency. And the re reporter who I was a gopher for uh, was is Robin Roberts' sister, Sally Ann Roberts. She was the first, oh, wow, African, yeah. yes, first African-American woman to be on the news in Mississippi. She is what she's like, you know, most of our news anchors that we love, she's a PR god and she needed a PR person and she became my client. So I was a gopher for her as a 14, 15 year old and became my first client uh, when I launched my agency. And so, you know, God is very strategic <laughs> and the plan is already, already laid in many ways. And so that's kind of how I went down. Uh, that has taken me to heights of, we're award-winning agency, uh, experiential agency of the year, top 100. Uh, we, you know, my experience with J. Walter Thompson took us to the experiential world with NASCAR and Major League Baseball and many other things. So we have all, I have a full service agency and, and that experience of working in-house and on the agency side gave me just about the experience in every department of an agency. And so I wanted an agency that would do that um, and wouldn't just be niche to PR or, or advertising. 
And so that's kind of how Mojo came about. Like I just walked away one day and said, I planned to walk away, but one day I was like, that's enough. I'm not doing anything I want, I love, Let's, it's time to go. And so it's grown. Then we moved to Nashville because of my husband's job. And intentionally though, we wanted to move here. And I just got here and said, okay, I gotta, I gotta build this up. And so in 2019, I opened a space and it was the biggest thing in town. Everybody was like, what, what? There's a black owned agency? You know, and I mean, these folks are making 72 million, hundred millions of dollars. There's agencies endless. There's no, no less than a hundred agencies in the city and not one of them are, is African-American owned. And it was crazy. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy that, it, that I was the first. Wow, unreal, so good. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. So I'm guessing that along the way of the entrepreneurial journey, it has not been sunshine and lollipops and roses. Oh no. <laughs> so um, you tell us about a time where you had a really crazy challenge. You're like, there's no way this is gonna work. And then you made it through. Oh yeah. You know, um, I had a, you know, I had, we've done stuff with African Pride and Just For Me, which is a sun, um, strength of nature, beauty brands. And I remember just wanting to, you know, tap into that market, but realizing that that market had been buried in its own history. And meaning that coming in with a lot of times our brands culturally, and you, I know you can attest to this as well, uh, have their own business moniker of some sort that really is not up to date, you know, with maybe what the new advertising age is. And so when you're trying to get a new client who may needs to, you may need to in, increase their infrastructure, you question if it's a good client or you question if you can actually help them make that change or if it's a change they want to make. Cause it's always great to get a nice named client, right? It helps grow your business. It gets, you know, it's putting money in your pocket, but if you can't move them forward fully, is it still a good client? So we've had, uh, so this, you know, some of those brands at the time, just for me, had been a perm brand. We all had gotten away from perms and natural hair was the way to go. And they were launching um, a new organic brand. And I said, oh, they're forward thing. They're moving forward. And now, yes, I want to be a part of that. And we were part of their their launch uh, in 2019. And I, I was nervous because it was a lot of moving parts. You know, when you're completely changing your business model and uh -huh. you're hiring an advertising agency to help amplify that you're dealing with all of the housekeeping <laughs> as well as the advertising and the amplification. So you're not just coming in as an agency, you're coming in as a business partner. And it was a tough road. I remember just feeling like, oh my God, I, don't, I think if we, I felt like we were messing up every day, but in reality, you can't, you, it's not that you're messing up. You just have to really understand that they were rebuilding their model. And so a lot of times in advertising and marketing, we love to just get it when the model's built, but in mm -hmm. our black businesses, we have to go along to, to get along. I don't even know yes. if that's the right language, but we have to, <laughs> I get you. you know what I'm saying? We have to start with them at, a, uh, at the level they are because we know we need the leg up. You know what I mean? We know, we, we know that we are, we're starting behind the, the, the finish line already, you know, farther back. And so culturally, because of our business, because of what, you know, what black business means to this America. And so you, you say yes, as an agency, even though you know they're still in some growth. I mean, we signed a client recently at the top of December, a little small nonprofit client out of New Orleans. 
And I remember them saying, oh yeah, there, someone's working on a website, it'll be ready. Well, I definitely don't want to sign a client who doesn't have a website that either not ready to market or two that we need to do. I don't want to get into PR with that or even advertising. Well, sure enough, that website didn't get done and it went, it went downhill. Um, <laughs> and so now I'm scraping together to get to fix the issue uh, in January. You know what I mean? So we sometimes we have to be a part of the partner in the business when we work with other accounts uh, that are multicultural focused. And I feel like sometimes that's been our hiccup uh, as an agency, because as much as we want to be this big brand at any award winning agency or, you know, small agency of the year, I'm going to go ahead and claim it one day at age. I think we also want to make sure our community grows. And so I feel like some of our hiccups always come with the fact that we end up being business partners where our clients are, even though we're amplifying them, if that makes sense. Yes, I, I, I have been there. <laughs> <laughs> you got, yeah, look, without saying, without saying, you know, like you're stepping back to step forward. Um, and then that's, even though you know better, you know that what you need to do is really just stand in the forward so that you can amplify, but you can't amplify if they're not ready. And that's just, that's some of the hiccups that I've learned. And I, as much as I teach myself, no, we don't take on that. I'm too passionate about some of the good projects that come to our door that I still take them on and I deal with the, the growing pains of it all. <laughs> the growing pains of it all. Oh, the growing pains of it all. It, oh. oh my gosh. So there's so much of it all. <laughs> we can talk for hours about that website. It's like, oh my gosh. Um, but you know, I think, but it's just, it's part of the game that I think we have to, that we've chosen to be in you know when you're when you work for yourself you make these choices and you're like oh boy <laughs> uh but then often oftentimes it's also like oh wait this is the best decision i could have ever made because look where we're headed right oh yeah like look what we've been able to successfully do i mean i mean in eight years in a city that i knew no one i knew a girl from high school who i hadn't seen since high school um we're best in business uh you know for nashville we're you know uh, top 20 top 20 businesses in Nashville so it, it's just really really good to be able to do great work but it's also good to do great work for the culture yeah I think that's the thing it's just like I sometimes get annoyed when people are like well it's kind of less than and I'm like no it's not mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I, it's like it's like if you treat us intelligently guess what you make more money so it's not less than um but many a company can be very ridiculous. So it's yes. a thing we all have, we have to all kind of navigate through. We're so excited to have Soho Works as the sponsor for the 29 Days of Magic campaign. You know, they're designed by Soho House and their workspace is to help creative thinkers, businesses small and large, connect, collaborate, and grow. And it's where I'm recording all the episodes of 29 Days of Magic. It's a safe wonderful and collaborative experience. Uh, I'm currently in the Brooklyn location, but they have locations, one else in New York City, in the Meatpacking District, one in LA, five in the UK, and they give you that kind of home away from home feeling with all the tools, technology, equipment to help you do your best work. Uh, like I said, it's an amazing location, feel safe. I've you know been able to meet some really awesome people, which haven't been able to do a lot because of the fact of COVID. So it's been a wonderful experience being able to re- record here and help build community. So if you want to find out more information about it please go to soholworks.com to get more information and tell them i sent you and now back to the show you know looking back on all the work that you've done over the last years in your career what do you think you'd tell 25 year old Moshri? 
25 y'all i would really go straight mushri do not hold back you have been holding back because you're trying to figure out how to fit into this mode of the world that you see and even this business world that you see um but life is not about what you do for a job and what you do for a career and that doesn't make you I'm grateful to be the first and I'm, I have people sitting in my office right now who just graduated from college with a diverse workspace and I'm looking forward to hiring more people, young folks who maybe haven't honed their craft to be in the ad, advertising marketing industry. But I remember getting all the opportunities. I was blessed, blessed. I mean, I can't take, take away from that, but I also held back. I remember telling my daddy I needed six suits so I can wear a suit every day to the office. You know, I was just just a little naive and didn't my personality. It took a long time for me to roll out my personality in the advertising space. And for many reasons, not just because of me, but because of the culture of advertising. When it's 500 people work at a firm and it's five of us, you know what I mean? Um you, you, you don't, you don't, you don't, you, you're representing the people you felt like, and you wore that on your shoulders every time you walked through the door, but then you also wanted them to see how creative you were, and they couldn't see past your suit and your tall, prim, proper ways um, mm -hmm. that, that you assumed you needed to be, um, and then you didn't want to open up and unveil because you know that they needed to articulate you a certain way, and you didn't want to give any inkling that you were not perfect. And, but at the same time, there was things happening that uh, from a marketing and advertising standpoint that was do, doing a disservice to your people, but you wouldn't speaking up. Meaning if that was, you know, prejudicial advertising or anything like that happening. And now the world is open up to all the changes that need to happen in, uh, in order for us to finish out this, you know, next hundred years or decade. And you, you definitely could have been a leader in that change. And, and maybe not because maybe it needed the time, you know, for now, but 25 year old Montcherie definitely needed to open her mouth and give no care in the world about who was, who was listening. And it would, it would have been more freeing, not for me uh, as a, as a human, um, because that's what life is about. I think it takes us a minute to get beyond the, the role as African-American women in business uh, to get beyond the role of being, you know, how we should look, how we should be. It takes us a minute to figure that out because of the infrastructure of American business and especially in advertising and marketing. And so I now know that I care not and I'm blessed and, I, and my, my entrepreneurship of owning my own agency just allows me to keep the self-care moments that I need for myself, but then also love my minutes, which is my love, uh, life mantra. Um, just basically there's nothing I shouldn't be grateful for and there's no reason I should do it any other way, but then my way. So that's, that's kind of what I would tell Monsheria at 25. <laughs> oh, wow. So now, now you're just sliding into my next question. What do you do for your self-care? <laughs> oh yeah. I so like I said, my life mantra that I got as a, as at a whole, as a whole, when I was starting this business, I was stressed and I was having heart palpitations, anxiety attacks. And I thought I was having like a heart attack every day around the same time I would get up, go walking and, you know, start digging for business, but I was broke and living off a pension. And I remember not really knowing how to get business. I was like, I, I know the work, but I don't know how to get business. And I was getting small, small clients. 
And I remember calling my dad and I was like, my chest keeps hurting and I don't know why. And finally I was in a coffee shop and I said that and the guy ended up calling the ambulance because he, I was just kind of on the phone having a little, little anxiety attack with my dad and he's listening in and he was like, I'm sorry, but I just had to call because I don't want you to get sick in here <laughs> and we don't do anything. And I was like, what? So anyway, I ended up letting, getting on the back of the ambulance just sitting and they were like, let's check you out. Let's see what's going on. And I'm now I'm extra anxiety, but don't know the word anxiety because who knew that? I mean, it just wasn't something we say in our culture and 10 years ago, you know, 15 years ago. Anyway, honey, the man was like, well, you're fine. Everything's coming good. Maybe it's just an anxiety attack. You should, my face could have been uh, on the milk cart because I looked at him like, what? Black people don't have anxiety attacks. <laughs> right. Like, but stop. Of it. course we do stop it you're just making up stuff get me off the back of this truck you know that type of thing but I was so confused and and so but it took me about a week or two to really kind of analyze it look it up because I'm one of those people like you say something I'm gonna dig it up and I realized really quick that oh I was just nervous I was nervous about this entrepreneur journey and it was killing me for months I was doing the same same mo having a little attack and then I kind of stepped up. I was like, who do I know? And I was like, oh, I know advertising people from all over the world. I've worked with some of the best. And I just start calling folks and telling them what I was doing and really just trying to make the connection and building the relationships and getting getting accounts. But here in Nashville it was really good. I was taking you know contract positions and that would turn into a client. Uh, but we were folding it in and just networking. One of the things I did for self-care was just on top of that, just really just making sure that I found time to breathe and love my minutes. So like in the middle of the day, if that is taking 10 minutes and doing nothing, computer off, phone off, and just being grateful, looking around the office. My husband said the other day when he passed by the office, he's like, I did a good job decorating in here because he always clowns like he's the decorator. And, <laughs> You're you like, know, no. He loves credit for everything, honey. And I said, but at the end of the day, I'm grateful what we did because I remember when this wasn't nothing when this was just an idea and I made the decision in November and I called a realtor and she said oh my office next door is open and within a month I had the space and so it's 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 all about purpose but you got to be clear and still enough to do that so I'm not doing anything crazy amazing I would love to take this nap series there's a, a self-care thing where the lady helps you sleep for 12 hours in a very nap environment I was like yes I need that let me go sign up <laughs> sign up for that in a heartbeat <laughs> in a heartbeat like I'm ready for all of those I, I love all of that I love what we all do for ourselves I'm good friends with uh, Shanisha Boswell uh who is the that's a woman that I would love for you to meet um the founder of Black Moms Blog. It's over half a million moms, uh, oh. Black moms, and on Instagram. And she's been taking this cr uh, crazy self-care series. And she's referred me recently to a couple therapists and some other things, you know, just to help continue the healing of the things that we need to heal in ourselves. Um, if it be in the, because of our businesses or just life. And so, Shanisha Boswell definitely make that introduction. Uh, amazing personality. We've I've worked with her on a lot of projects during Essence Festival. I know you do events as well, um, and she's just amazing because she brings a crowd, honey. I mean, Black Moms, awesome. you're a Black Mom, uh, Black Mom blog. You're very you would be in that know, in the know, uh, working with her in that group. But yeah, so I would. I mean, that's kind of my thing. Just taking those moments to breathe and and being able to say. I love the fact that I have this happening right now in my life, you know, finding the things to be grateful for.
Yeah, you know, it's and thank you for sharing that because I think, like I said, I, I, there's definitely been a shift in the last three years, where especially Black women are really like, listen, no, I'm not okay. I, I need to like step away. <laughs> like I need to like deal with what I got to deal with. Where before, I think we were just, we're just going to keep on being strong Black women and and like, you know, carry the entire mountain on our back. And then, oh, you got another mountain on my back too. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I do, I'm, I'm grateful for the shift because, you know, it's just like, yeah, I just can't do this. Like that, I need to be away for a bit. It, this is, this is insanely too stressful and I can't carry a roll on my shoulders. So someone help me. Uh, you know, I actually, um, was, uh, just interviewing, um, Wilma Basta who runs, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Pretty Well. Mm-hmm. Um, another great woman you should if you don't know her I'll have mm-hmm. to introduce and she created this platform where basically it's like I think 5,000 free hours of therapy for black women for black women with therapists all across the country and it's like and you can go and just select a therapist and they have free hours for you because she's just like you need a therapist who actually one understand two um, you know it can be cost prohibitive depending on where your job is and you know she just there's no directory for this so i'm just gonna go ahead and create it mm. and yeah and so i i i did a oh, yeah, definitely need to connect with her yeah so she, she's super lovely and she comes out of the fashion world um and she had created this thing called dark beauty and it was going to be all around like you know um beauty and you know when covid hit she just was like wait a minute um and let me build something else um but this could it, it, part of beauty and wellness is being well uh, mm-hmm. And so she's seen a really awesome response. So yeah, really, really, really lovely woman. Oh. So yeah, another yeah, good that. one to do it. Well, yeah. part of being, so well, being well, yeah, definitely will connect with her um, and reach out because that is something. It's about constantly just finding places to to be well in your in your every day without having all the extra layers of anything. Like sometimes it's not about a full experience or a tea bath or a sound bath. Or, it's just really being able to control your mind enough to say let me just be well in my mind and I know that's some people are saying well that's that's simple and hard to say but it really is what just loving your minutes just when I say it sometimes it just helps remind me okay it, today is just the 27th calm down day of the a year honey you you not have to be rushing you still got many more and 2020 has made that hard of course everybody's like what what should I be doing because life went away in one year you know um but I think I'm, I'm reminding myself every day like what today is it's just the 27th day of the year really it's actually 28 28 days well, I call this actually I call it the seventh day of the year because I believe New Year's Day was January 20th the 20th uh, 1201 <laughs> the other 12 days that was like December 50th like the year yeah. actually started once Kamala got, got sworn in. <laughs> For that, not so much. Oh, you know what? The new date actually started so great. This is really the seventh day. Oh, good to know. I will keep that in mind. I may have to use that too. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no. Because like there was an insurrection. Like, no, that happened in 2020. In 2021, we have Biden and Kamala. Right. <laughs> right. This is what we're working with. We, we, we have clarity. We're not doing which, whatever happened before. Really, I mean, can we truly? I think there's so much trauma to 2020 that I'm starting to forget all the things that actually happened. Um, and I forget. That'd be a bad thing. You know? <laughs> Like, it's not it's not a bad thing we're good with it 
We're good. I We're love good. it. You're doing good work. Um, and this is this is just it's good for us to see this. This conversation is awesome because it made it's made <laughs> me think. It's no, it really has. It's making me think about things that to to just kind of remind myself of how far we come. Exactly. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, it's like the science behind how I came up with this was like, tell me your first job and then tell me what you did when you were 25. Like that was how it started because my thought process was we often don't look back and remark upon all the incredible stuff we got to be where we are. We're like, I can have time to be on a podcast. Um, like I have done all this really great work. And I'm like, so it's not just for my audience. It's also for my guests to like, no, give yourself the proper pat on the back because you have done amazingly well. Um, and, and take that moment. Uh, and then my last question for you, do you have uh, a give and or an ask of the audience? You know what? I would ask the audience. I would love to give the audience the to share in my mantra with me of loving your minutes and just finding time to do that every day. That's, that's one. I have both. But I also have an ask that we reach beyond our borders and that we become bigger by grabbing more cities and with our work that we do. I'm starting to see that we have to move bigger, not faster, but bigger. Uh, and this is specifically to, to folks who are African-American women and if they're in business or not. Um, I feel like, you know, we talk about magic and we talk about all the greatness and the amazing, but sometimes we don't get in the spotlight enough. And or sometimes we just get in the spotlight locally and we become these local heroes. And that's great because you got to build where you are. But I also think if they saw us crossing every channel, we would gain more power. And so, or every border, we would gain more power. So be okay with popping up in the hometown or popping up in the neighboring city and just making that intentional move. I think that's an ask to just ask, and this is coming from an amplifier, somebody who amplifies other people. We have to do better to just really make our reach go past the cities we're in. And if we're all doing it at one time, I think that truly would help uh, our the articulation of our characters and the articulation of our true power uh, for our people, for ourselves, for our family. Perfect. See, look at that. Spoke like a PR person. Had the right quote at the right second. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And so, and so true. It's like you know, is you be everywhere. Like you can't. It's like next city, the next city, the next city. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, then go global, and you know that all of this matters um, at this, especially at this moment. So, uh, I concur with you. Um, Mushri, it has been an absolute delight to have you on the show. Thank you so very much. Um, I already have the title of this episode, Love Your Minutes. I was like, yep, that's what it is. Thank you. I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, it, it has been, Laura, thank you so much for what you're doing. And we got to stay in touch because I want to circle back on us uh, talking events and how I didn't get into the virtual world because, you know, we do experiential marketing campaigns. But I think when the world's back open, I would love to potentially see how we can partner. Um, absolutely. I mean, it, there's a gigantic pie and I'm always down to share. So, yeah. um, or make new pies, <laughs> make, make, make new fresh pies and maybe yes. some custard and some, and some cakes, you know, there's more. There's more. There is more. I awesome. love it. So, so much. Of course. So we'll put in details in the show notes so folks can um, connect with you uh, and get, and I think uh, uh, your message of love your minutes is so important and impactful. Um, I hope our listeners take that to heart and actually do it. Uh, yeah. And that is our show.